I want you to put your hands together and welcome Lakeside's own this morning, John and Carrie Kozak. That's right. Come on down. I wanted to see if you remembered. Amen. Come on up here if you would, John and Carrie. Praise the Lord. John and Carrie Kozak grew up here at Lakeside and came through all the ministries. And God is just using them in such a powerful, powerful way. In, in Dayton, Ohio, we won't, we won't hold it against you down there in Ohio. My, 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 my. But uh, just before I, I let them share, of course, uh, John and Carrie, uh, son and daughter of families here in the church. Uh, John is the son of, of Jerry and Nadine Kozak. Would you raise your hands this morning? Jerry and Nadine Kozak. Amen. John was uh, birthed and born when we were at the old building up the road. And uh, I just learned this morning I baby dedicated him. Oh, my. And uh, Carrie, I think you came here, man, as a baby, as a toddler. You were awfully young. Her parents uh, are Roy and Sue Mills, uh, directors of our Bible quiz ministries that you just saw up there. And uh, Roy and Sue, wave your hands. They're all the way in the back again. Amen. And uh, I- I'll tell you, what you're seeing and what you're going to be hearing this morning is all because of you all. Uh, this dear family is a fruit of the lakeside ministry. I've said enough. John, share how, what God has done, the, the pathway uh, that, uh, that God has brought you and Carrie on and what God has called you and Carrie to today. And make sure Carrie gives greetings as well. Amen? Thanks, Pastor. Yeah, so uh, just to give you a little bit of perspective of where we're at right now. So we are... Uh, uh, campus pastors of a, of a church that has four locations, so we are one of the locations. Um, and so just in the past year, you know, we moved down last February to start up this church, and there was like an eight-week process of preparing to launch a church, which is pretty quick, uh, eight weeks. And so we fully renovated this building and then launched a church with about 30 people or so, and uh, we're, we're at about 100 now. We've just seen, you know, God do... Really cool things, um, yeah. But there's, you know, just continue to continue to you know pray for us because there's huge need uh, in the area that we're at. Uh, heroin has really taken a grip uh, in Dayton. Uh, 75 and 70 are kind of the crossroads there, and so that's where uh, the drugs kind of come to be distributed throughout the country. And so, uh, a few months ago, we had a lady overdose in our in our parking lot. Uh, so just you know, just tough things like that uh, to where. Uh, you know, God's got us there for a reason, but there are the challenges that we have to work with, and so we definitely need your prayers. Uh, I'll let Carrie give you greetings, and uh, this is our little girl, Anna, uh, yeah, who's, who's nine months, and then Adeline is in the kids' uh, ministry. She's three, so here's Carrie. Well, it's nice to be here and see a lot of familiar faces and lots of new ones. It's been a while since we've been here, but it's really an honor and a privilege to be back. <laughs> um, so it's it's funny to see um, even like the quizzers up on the stage because it takes me back. It's like wow, I was a JBQer, and I'm just really thankful for like the foundation that we've had here at Lakeside. It's 
just an amazing church, and I think even our parents still being here after so many years is a testament to, like, the awesomeness of this church. So you guys have an incredible pastor and an incredible church, and we're just really thankful to be here. I better go. Yeah, as I said, our, our uh, older daughter, Adeline, she's three, so if you see her running around, she's wearing the same dress uh, that Anna is, and then I actually have that same dress on underneath. Uh, uh, but yeah, we're, we're so glad to be here uh, this morning. As I drove in, you know, uh, didn't really recognize, I haven't seen the, the new face of, the, of our new building here, and it was just so nice. It's been a couple, couple years since I've, I've been here and, and driven in. And so, uh, just kind of did a, a quick circle, uh, around the, the parking lot and, uh, just so, so thankful. So, so, so thankful for this church. Uh, and you know, a lot of times we let the, the, the profound or the amazing, the very good things, we let them become routine. Uh, so I want to encourage you in your, in your life and where you're at now. You have a very good church if you're here this morning. If you're looking for a church, it's a great church to be at. Um, but Carrie and I were talking this, this past week and, just so thankful, like, like Carrie said, of what's been invested into, into our lives through this church, through you know, the committed staff of, of our pastors, volunteers. And, um, how many of you have been here for more than 10 years? Been here at Lakeside for more than 10 years? Yeah, okay. It's a good, good amount of people. So that was the last, 10 years is when I graduated high school uh, 10 years ago. And so it's been about 10 years since it's, I've been here regularly. But... Uh, I figured it would be a good little uh, exercise to do, maybe fun for some of you to hear, maybe a, a greatest hits from my perspective of of Lakeside. And so, as Pastor said, I was dedicated here, uh, well, not, not in this building, but the old one. Uh, and I remember being in in Rainbows. Anyone remember Rainbows? It looks like that's the preschool, that's the preschool uh, version of our kids' church. And I just remember to be. Uh, so excited to be done with rainbows. Like, I'm ready for straight arrows. Like, it's not rainbows, it's lamebows, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, moving up to being a straight arrow, I, like, I still remember the Royal Ranger Code, which has no use. Like, I don't know if I'll use that at all, but I still remember it. And then uh, we were in, Carrie and I were in a peewee Bible quiz together, the precursor to junior Bible quiz. And so we have a picture of that. To show you from uh, our young age, so I'm on the far right, Carrie's on the far left. We were quizzers under construction. So I don't know what that meant, um, but you know, Carrie started the, the JBQ program at our last church, and she can still. It's it's really weird. You give her like a, a verse in the Bible, like you just give her like the first couple words, and she turns into like robot JBQ mode. She can like remember everything. She still knows more scripture. Than I do because of because of JBQ, uh, Edge of Eternity. Who's been a part of Edge of Eternity at all? Yeah, Edge of Eternity. Edge of Eternity made me so scared of going to hell. I had no other choice but to follow Jesus, right? Um, but then the weird thing, as you mature and as you grow, you you want to be a demon. That's like the cool thing to do. And so only at Lakeside can you say that it was cool to be a demon. Um, <laughs> Does that make any sense? Um, but, you know, I grew up just two miles from here. My parents lived at 21 in Hayes for, I don't know, 30 years, right? And so as a teenager, when I was bored, when we couldn't uh, 
couldn't, couldn't drive yet, I'd ride my bike here just to bother our youth pastor. Um, I first served in a, in a worship band here at Lakeside. Um, I learned what it was to put my gifts into use um, to honor God. Um, fine arts. Fine arts, uh, we kind of rebooted the program when I was a teenager. And so I think it started, uh, the year before I started, I think there was three girls in it. And then we started like with a group of 10. And now like Lakeside has taken over like fine arts in the state. Um, but that was, that was when I preached my first sermon. It was five, five minutes. And I remember thinking, man, how can I talk for five minutes? Uh, but, uh, you know, as, as Pastor said, you know, Carrie and I, we, we had developed our friendship here. Um, we got, got married here, uh, right on the stage a little over six years ago. And so, um, and in fact, both of my brothers found their wives uh, here. So Lakeside's a great ma- uh, matchmaking service as well as church. Um, but uh, I did some quick math, and uh, I don't know, pastors, we always round up with our math. Um, but I did some math. Over, you know, from the time I was born to 18, I think I've spent right around 8,000 hours here in this church, uh, somewhere within the walls of this church through uh, Sunday services, Wednesday night, you know, all, youth all-nighters, types, types of things like that. And um, that continual time here, just, you know, hearing about who God is um, and, and being in the presence of God through worship, uh, just owe so much of who I am as a, as a person to Lakeside, as a pastor, as a Christian. I joked in last service, I think I'm like 21% Lakeside um, just because of the time I've spent here. But uh, the devotion of my parents and um, my in-laws... Uh, bringing us, bringing us here, devotion of our pastors, of our staff. We're you know, celebrating Pastor Hal and, and Linda, thirty-one years serving here. Um, that's incredible. That's amazing. Past, you know, yeah, give it up for them. Um, Pastor, how long have you been here as our? Thirty-two years, and, and so, um, it's just amazing uh, to to think about. I owe so much of who I am because of the devotion of this church, devotion of Sunday school leaders, youth leaders, things far out of my control. Um, I, I owe you know some of the best parts of my character too. So it's so nice to be able to be here. And this morning I'm going to talk a little bit about devotion, what it means to be devoted to the Lord, what it means to be devoted to the church. And the Bible is filled with stories of devoted people. And if you have your Bible, you can open with me. To Acts chapter 2. The Bible is full of stories of people who were incredibly devoted to God because, because they ex- experienced God's goodness and His glory that they, they felt they had no other choice but to devote their lives to God. And because of their devotion, God was able to do great things in them, through them, in their midst. One of the you know, famous Biblical stories of a devoted person is Noah. You know the story of Noah in the book of Genesis. God calls him to, to build an ark, really to save mankind. The Bible chronicles Noah's devotion in just a few pages. But in, in just those few pages, 120 years pass by of one man's devotion to one task that God called him to. One man's devotion... 
Hebrew legend, and this, so this is not the Bible, so you can take it for what it's worth, but it's fun to think about. Hebrew legend says that Noah actually had the foresight to plant trees and then harvest them to use the wood for the ark. 120 years to be devoted to a single task. And uh, through, you know, archaeology and modern technology, I have a picture of what the ark actually looked like. There it is. See that? Jesus is my comb. That was on there? No. I guess my sense of humor maybe doesn't resonate with you. But uh, the, the ark encounter actually did, you know, set out to do this uh, task of recreating the, the ark. And so you can show that next picture there. There, there it is. That's modern-day recreation of the ark, uh, about the size of a, a football stadium, to be devoted to one task for the, that amount of years. Uh, in a similar story of devotion, uh, in 1948, uh, Korzak Zolkowski, Korzak, one of my distant relatives, Kozak, Korzak, not really, uh, he was commissioned by Lakota chief Henry Standing Bear, who was probably pretty intimidating, his name was Standing Bear, to design a mountain um, carving that would honor the famous war leader Crazy Horse, who was probably super kind and generous, right? Crazy Horse. This monument uh, was designed to be built uh, 550 feet high, which is taller than the Washington Monument. And it's about eight times larger than the faces of Mount Rushmore. Korzak, he worked on this statue. He dedicated his life to one task for over three decades, 30 years. And he passed away with the task unfinished. And so his family continued towards this task. And the project is set to be finished, in fact, the same year as Lakeside's building project, 2050. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. We have greater faith than that, right? Amen. Uh, Now that's devotion, right? Toward the end of his life, Korzak, he was asked about this project. How how he could continue to be devoted in his entire life to one task, one project. And he said this profound statement. I don't think he believed it to be a spiritual statement at all, but I'm going to redeem it for our case this morning. He said this. When your life is over, the world will ask you only one question. Did you do what you were supposed to do? When your life is over, the world will ask you one question. Did you do what you were supposed to do? And at the end of our life, the world is not going to ask us a question. But the Bible does tell us we're going to stand before God. The most important question that God will ask us is were we devoted to him? Did we know him? Did we accept the grace that he freely extended? Did we accept that? Do we know him? And then after that, the Bible tells us that we'll be judged on our actions. And maybe in a similar way, God will ask us, did you do what you were supposed to to bring glory to Jesus Christ? How have you been devoted to bringing glory to Jesus And so I want to ask you that question this morning, and I want to look at the the places of our lives that we are to be devoted to. What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to bringing glory to Jesus Christ? We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. To give you a quick backdrop, the book of Acts, I believe Luke 
wrote, wrote this, uh, this book. It was kind of the second volume to the gospel after his own name, Luke, Luke and then Acts. And he starts off, he starts off the, the book of Acts in the, the first verse with this statement. He says, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So it gives us a clue that this book is going to be about everything that Jesus is continuing to do. And so the common name of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, which really a, a better name is the Acts uh, of of the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus Christ, the acts of Jesus Christ through the apostles, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Acts chapter 2 starts off with God working one of his greatest miracles. He, he brings down the power of the Holy Spirit, and thousands are added to the church in just one day. So Jesus tells his, Jesus tells his, uh, uh, his disciples that they're going to do greater things than he ever did. And they probably thought, hey, that's a nice encouraging statement, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And in one prayer meeting, God accomplishes that promise. More come to Jesus in one prayer meeting than any of the years that Jesus was on the earth. And so it's, this, it's with this backdrop that we have our verse this morning. After God does the miraculous, after God pours out his Holy Spirit, this is what the church is devoted to. These four simple things. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. uses this word devoted. This word simply means things that they put in front of themselves every single day. And so the first thing, we're going to go through these one, two, three, four. If you're taking notes, easy points, right? Really not many sub points. Um, first thing that they were devoted to, the apostles' teaching. And you might hear me say that. And you say, hey, I'm in church. I'm listening to this guy who's a teacher or a pastor. Done my job. Check it off the list. And I'm really glad that you're here. Um, I saw the little like promo that the church sent out. It made me sound much better than I am. So thanks for being here. Um, hopefully this isn't like a bait and switch type of thing. Um, <laughs> but I believe, I believe there's a difference between coming to church on a Sunday and being devoted to get to know who God is. There's a big difference. And, and so I'm glad that you're here, but I hope that here is not where your devotion ends. What's the, what's the answer to be devoted to the apostles' teaching today? You see, the, the early church, they didn't have the New Testament. They had stories from the apostles of what Jesus did during his ministry, and they had the Old Testament. And so, really, the answer is probably something, a book that we have multiple copies of at home. It's the Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible. We, we, we value it with our kids in JBQ, but the Bible is, is a book that's written by over 40 men over about 1,600 years, and it's the story of a God who's committed to mankind regardless of what they've done. Whether mankind has deserved God or not, God has constantly been devoted and committed to us. The Bible chronicles who God is and his devotion to mankind. 
Reading the Bible, it's the most important spiritual discipline that you can create in your life. You may say, well, what about prayer? What about worship? We just spent some time doing that. Those are good things, right? But how, how do you know what to worship if you don't know who God is? How do you know what to pray if you don't know what God asks of you? You can't. I believe we take the Bible for granted. Life magazine says the most important event over the past 1,000 years is the invention of the Gutenberg Press. The first Bible, get this, it took, it took two years to print. Two years to print in its entirety. Before the Gutenberg Press, there were only 30,000 bound books on the entire continent of Europe. Uh, 50 years after the printing press, more than 9 million books were in circulation. Monks, before the printing press, they would spend their entire life, their entire life's work was copying one copy of the Bible. We take the Bible for granted. Two billion Bibles have been printed in the past 100 years. In 1535, William Tyndale translated the first copy of the English translation of the Bible, when it was illegal to have even a verse on you in English. He was betrayed to the authorities and he was sentenced to death by strangulation. And whoever the strangler was, it must have been new on the job, because it didn't work, apparently. <laughs> you had one job, right? After the strangulation didn't work, he was sentenced for his body to be burned at the stake. It's recorded that his last words were a prayer. Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. Four years later, the same king who sentenced Tyndale to death also issued a decree of four Bibles to be translated into the English language off of Tyndale's version. Someone died for this. We take the Bible for granted. So choose a Bible. Are, are you devoted to the Word of God? Are you devoted to getting to know who God is through the pages of the Bible? Choose a Bible. There's tons of translations, NIV, KJV, NLT. There's a Hawaiian version of the Bible, I guess. Lots of pineapples. Choose a reading plan. Have a plan of how you're going to read the Bible. If you're just starting out, don't try to tackle it all at once. And here's the point. The, the whole point of reading the Bible, it's not just to get through it and say, okay, I did that. It's to get the Bible through you. The point of, re- of the Word of God is not to just say you read it, it's to get it into your heart. You, you may have heard it said, you might be the only Bible someone ever reads. What type of translation are you? How are you translating the Word of God with your life? How are you devoted to the Word of God? Here's the thing, if you want to get to know what God has to say about your life, you open up the Bible. If you don't, you close it. Second thing that the early church was devoted to is fellowship. This word fellowship, it basically just means a partnership of mutual benefit. 
It's good for you, it's good for me. So Christian fellowship, it's partnership in helping one another serve and love God, encouraging each other in our walk with Christ. Here, the thing about what Jesus did, he called each one of his disciples to follow him individually. They had to make that choice, each one for themselves. The same is true for all of us today. Nobody can make the choice for you to follow Jesus. If you're a young person, you've got to do that for yourself, right? If you're an old person, you've got to do that for yourself. <laughs> but here's what's even better, is that Jesus didn't call them to follow him into isolation. He called them to follow him into relationship with himself and with the family of God. Time after time, Scripture calls us the family of God. We are the family of God. I've had a family for uh, about three years now. I'll show you some uh, pictures of our little girls. You didn't get to see Adeline. There's Adeline on the right. Oh, yeah, that's nice. And then Anna, uh, just chilling there. We'll have to recreate that in like 30 years. It'll be a good one. <clears throat> uh, but here, another picture of us. That's the, uh, that's the smile of mom and dad. I don't want to take pictures anymore, right? <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like painful almost. Um, Another, another picture is from this past Halloween. We had Queen Elsa and Princess Anna. And then Carrie is Carrie. Um, and so all those are staged. But as you know, parents, you know that this is probably more of what things look like as a family, right? <laughs> yeah. Poor Adeline. Not one of her finer moments. Uh, and then I get to share it in front of everybody, right? Uh, but anyways... Being a, being a dad has been the most incredible thing. Um, the fact that I get to have a conversation with my three-year-old now is incredible. Um, and then, you know, Pastor Hal is saying, wait till you walk her down the aisle. And I don't know why, but when I tell people that I have two girls, I usually I say something like, I love it. It's the coolest thing in the world. I have two little girls. This is, it's amazing. And here's what they say. They go, well, wait till they're teenagers. It's like, Thanks? Like, what do you say to that? Right? Thank you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyways, being a parent, is, it's, it's amazing. Um, having a family, it's been far better than I could ever have imagined. And as amazing it is, it is challenging. It's a hard thing. Um, waking up in the middle of the night, changing diapers, rocking them back to sleep, feeding them. That's just what my wife does. Um, just getting him to go down for naps. Um, lately, Adeline has been waking up really early, and I wake up uh, with the feeling of somebody's watching me, and I open my eyes, and there she is. Um, it's, sometimes it can be challenging. It can be hard. And just like, just like being a Christian is amazing, it's incredible. You have the, the grace of God, the relationship with God, fellowship with, with Jesus. Uh, it can be challenging. It can be hard. And so as I've been a parent, I have so much of a greater appreciation for what it means to be a parent and for my parents. And uh, I have an incredible admiration for single parents. If you're, if you're a single parent here, I don't know how, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you, you did it. Because it, it, having somebody to tag is, is still hard to say, okay, I've had enough, you're in. I don't know how you do it, single parents. 
And as a church, I think it's our job to come alongside of single, single families, kind of, kind of fill in the gap. And I think God does that. I think God's grace does that. But I don't think anybody would ever wish, you know, to be a single parent. And I, I don't think we should wish to be single Christians. To go through life in isolation without Christian fellowship. See, God calls us to live in a family. To, to put each other daily. The, Romans 12.10 says, we're to be devoted to one another in love. To be devoted to one another in love. So a little exercise, maybe this is awkward, maybe turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I love you. Yeah, and now turn to your second choice and say, hey, I love you too, right? Even though I chose you second. We know how you really feel about your neighbors now. I think some Christians, maybe sometimes we make it harder on ourselves to follow Jesus than it needs to be by putting ourselves in isolation. Maybe we'll think things like, yeah, I'll come to church, but I'm not going to go to that men's group. Women's groups, small group, kids group. Maybe we don't put priority on community. And then maybe we wonder why our kids don't love church. I want to encourage you, if you're currently living in isolation, to get into fellowship. To find a group of people that can, can, can pray for you, encourage you, and love you where you're at. It might be hard. It might be awkward, just as it was turning to a neighbor to tell him I love you on Sunday. <laughs> I encourage you, don't live your life in isolation. We're meant to live in community. We're meant to have people come alongside of us. I'll speak to youth this morning. Psychologists tell us that kids' identities of themselves are basically formed by the time they're toddlers. And then there's this window and when you're a teenager, when, when, you, when you can actually relearn important things about trusting, trusting life and trusting people and who you are. Where you're at now as a young person is the most important time to surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you to serve and follow Jesus. Don't take that for granted. And for not young people, I didn't say old people, do you have a prayer partner? Do you have an encouragement partner? Are you surrounding yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage? Are you investing into the next generation? That's what God calls us to. God calls us to be a family, to be devoted to one another daily to put each other in front of ourselves how are you devoted to christian fellowship early church they were devoted to the apostles teaching devoted to fellowship it says they were also devoted to the breaking of of bread and the very complicated uh, translation here it's they eat together best part about church right food does anyone remember sunday night service afterglows Afterglows? Yeah. So afterglows were the motivation to get through service for food, right? 
I can worship one more song because dessert's coming. Amen? Right? That's what afterglows were all about. Food. They'd eat together. Uh, there's something about you know, sharing a meal that kind of breaks down some barriers. But so they would you know, get together, and the early church would commonly bring food, sharing meals, kind of like a potluck, uh, afterglow style. In Ohio, crazy people down there, they call it carry-ins. Uh, you carry the food in, I guess. That's where it comes from. Yeah. And so, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, Is that the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Participating in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. Jesus started this with the Lord's Supper. Eat my bread. Drink my cup. See, every meal they would share together, every time they would get together and share this common meal they had the reminder of why they were getting together. That they had the most important thing in common, which was salvation through Jesus Christ. They, they recognized everything that they had that, that wasn't in common fell away because they had the most important thing in common, Jesus. And they were getting together for a purpose. To bring glory and praise to God. The communion service, the, the Lord's Supper, it brought purpose into their midst. It wasn't just a fun gathering where they sang songs and maybe laughed at a few of the pastor's jokes and then they left and went to Taco Bell for lunch. They had purpose. Christ's body was broken so we might be made whole. His blood was poured out so we might have life. We have the most important thing in common. One of my favorite passages of scripture, it's, it's amazing. The first time I read it and, and really looked into it, I, I didn't know what it was telling me. It kind of blew me away. John chapter 20. John chapter 20 is after Jesus has been crucified. It's after Jesus has spent three days in the tomb and it's after his resurrection. It's the first time that he spends with his disciples which I believe, if you can imagine, might be one of the most important events in all of history. So you would, you would think the things that he's about to say here are pretty important. Like, all right, this is big time. Jesus just rose from the dead. Here we go. And here's what he says. John chapter 20 says, Jesus breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, if you forgive anyone's sins, they'll be forgiven. If you don't, they won't. If you forgive anyone's sins, they'll be forgiven. If you do not, they will not. So Jesus is not saying that all of a sudden we have the power to walk around and saying, hey, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Like Oprah does. You get a car. You get a, you're forgiven. You're, that's not what he's saying. Here's what he is saying. He's saying that Christ's purpose, Jesus' purpose of coming to the earth was to open up forgiveness of sins to the world. That's why he came. He accomplished that on the cross. His throne, when he was lifted up, was the cross as king king of the world. He accomplished it. And he rose from the dead. Victory over death. And so here's what he's saying. My purpose on the cross is now your purpose in your life. 
How are you going to take what I did and accomplished and translate it for my glory so that people may come to salvation? Because if you do that, people around you, your friends, your family members, they will have the opportunity to come to salvation in Christ. If you do that, there's opportunity. If you don't, they won't. Holy cow. That's how you can, you know, I'm a dad. I say, holy cow. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Seriously, though. Can you imagine what the disciples must have been thinking? Whoa, what do you want us to do here? You're trusting us? Peter's, hey, Jesus, remember, I just denied you three times. That just happened a couple days ago. And you want me to do, you want me to do what? Jesus is giving great purpose and great trust to his disciples and to the early church. He said, hey, it's your turn. You have purpose. How are you going to be devoted to that? And so every time the church would come together, they put that in front of them and say, all right, we have purpose. And so the word used here, translated in bre- uh, as bread, it, it literally means bread. But figuratively, it means divine provision. The sustenance God supplies to yielded believers, scene by scene, to live in his preferred will. The sustenance God supplies to yielded believers, scene by scene, to live in his preferred will. So every day the disciples took the bread and they said, All right, God, we know that we have great purpose. And we know that you're going to provide even if we don't know how. That you're going to make up the gaps for our weakness. That we can only do this because of your goodness. That God will provide. A little over three years ago, uh, I helped lead a really small missions team to the Philippines. There were only like six or so of us. And it was an extremely, extremely challenging trip for me for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, there are 12 hours ahead there. So every morning at 3 a.m., I would wake up wide awake. And every afternoon, I'd be really, really tired. And, you know, it's really hot, and I'm really white, so I got sunburned, and all those things. But that's not what made it challenging uh, for me. What made it challenging uh, was the devotion that the people there had to serving, worshiping, loving God in the midst of very hard circumstances. And so... Uh, we went to we went to Manila, which is the most populated silly, uh, si- silly <laughs> city in the Philippines, uh, and it's also the most populated city in the world. So, to give you a little perspective here, Macomb County has just under nine hundred thousand people that live in the entire county. It's a pretty big county, right? And it's four hundred and seventy nine square miles. The Philippines, Manila, the city of Manila is 16 square miles with about 1.8 million people. If Macomb County were as densely populated as Manila, there would be 48 million people living in Macomb County. 
pretty crazy. So people there, they live wherever they can. They're living in street medians, alleyways. Uh, one church that we visited uh, is a church in a graveyard where people live. About 2,000 people live in a graveyard. Uh, that's where they'll live probably for the rest of their lives. And they love God. They're devoted to Him. They're committed to Him. One of the stories that stuck with me from that trip is the devotion of a pastor uh, who actually he lived a couple hours outside of Manila. His name is Pastor Joven Discarton. He lived in, near a mountainous region in the Philippines. And he started a church about 35 years ago in a city called uh, Olengapo. And quickly after he started this church, he learned of a tribe that lived in the mountainous region. Uh, they're native Filipinos, and they're called the, uh, the Mampuang tribe. About 1,000 people, a small tribe. And he quickly felt the purpose of God come on his heart. Nobody else had reached out to them. No, no, they're completely unreached. So what does he do? Every day he would walk two miles up the mountain, two miles down the mountain to meet with these people. And he says for the first couple months, he didn't even know if anybody lived there because every time they would come and see him, or he would come and see them, they would turn away and run. So for two years, he never even had a conversation with one person. But because he believed the purpose of God his purpose in his life was to glorify Jesus Christ to these people. He stayed devoted. For over 30 years, about three times a week, he's walked two miles up the mountain, two miles down. For over 30 years, two miles up, two miles down. Because he believed that he's fulfilling God's purpose, and I believe because... God opens doors through the power of the Holy Spirit. 30 years later, because of devotion, there's a road that now leads up to this village. Because he stayed devoted for 30 years, there's basketball courts where kids can play, built by Pastor Joven and a team. There's a school where kids can learn to read and write because of devotion. And there's a church that's the only building in the entire village that has electricity because of devotion where about a hundred people meet every day or every week because of devotion. Very few people will ever, will ever even hear about one man's devotion. I don't think that's why I did it, right? His devotion has made an eternal impact for God's kingdom, for Jesus Christ's glory. And he'll most likely, now I can't speak to this, right, but he'll be able to stand before God and say, God, man, you put this on my heart and I did what I was supposed to. When it was hard, you provided. You gave sustenance for the scene by scene, day by day, for me to walk in your will. It was for your glory you provided. Lord, I did what I was supposed to. Now take the pressure off here. There's no mountainous village in Macomb County that you have to walk two miles to, right? But I think the same question applies. 
What's your purpose? What are you devoted to in order to bring glory to find yourself at that question may seem lofty or may sound uh very churchy but the truth is real is that god always meets you right where you're at to supply you with what you need sometimes he just requires you to take the first step without seeing what the second step will lead to i encourage you to do that this morning What purpose might God be calling you to be devoted to with your life? The early church was devoted to getting to know God through the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to one another in love through fellowship. They were devoted to breaking of bread, to the purposes of God. And they were devoted to prayer. I don't know uh, that it's impossible for God to do anything, but I think it's hard for God to answer prayers that go unprayed. The early church, they prayed for everything. They prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. They prayed for wisdom. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for Christians in trouble. They prayed for missionaries. They even prayed for their enemies. They prayed challenging prayers. Prayer, it's one of the most important tools that we have because it allows us to build an active relationship with God, talking to God. That's what prayer is. Allows us to be forgiven of our sins. Prayer opens up the door to salvation. Prayer allows us to express gratitude to God, love to God. Prayer reminds us that God really is in control. See, if something happens when you pray, then nothing happens when you don't. I heard one pastor say, prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best that God can do. I think there's a big difference in that. My life was forever changed because of a Sunday night prayer meeting at Lakeside. That, that, I was standing right here in a prayer meeting. I felt God put ministry on my heart. Prayer changed my life. One night that I'll remember for the rest of my life because of one prayer, God, what do you want from me? Prayer changes things. See, the Bible's a story of God's devotion to mankind. He doesn't give up regardless of where mankind's at. But I think prayer is where we find that to be true for our lives personally. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I forgive you. I haven't given up on you. God, where do you want me to go? Where do you lead me and guide me? Prayer is where we find God's devotion to us to come true personally. The word used for prayer in Acts 2.42 means an exchange of wishes. Exchange of wishes. Simple prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, God, not my will, but your will. What do you have for me? And here's the thing. If God offers you a trade, you take it. Every time. God's goodness for your sinfulness. Your crooked plans for God's clear, straight path. Prayer is where we find out what God's wishes are for our lives. The early church, they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to their purpose, devoted to fellowship with one another. 
devoted to getting to know God. At the end of your life, you'll be asked the question from God, do you know me? How were, how did you accept, what did you do with the free gift of God? Were you devoted to it? The Bible tells us we'll all have that day before Jesus. That's a day to take serious. And it also says that we'll be judged based on what we've done. And so maybe Jesus will ask us a question in a roundabout way. Did you do what you were supposed to? What did you, how were you devoted to bringing glory to my name? How were you devoted to glorifying Jesus with your life? That's a serious question. And there's another question you may be asking, why? Why did the early church do this? Well, why did the early church have this devotion in these things? The early church, they experienced firsthand. They testified, they saw the devotion of a loving God in Jesus Christ to mankind. the devotion of God to them. And maybe some of you this morning, you need, you need a new perspective on the devotion of God to you in your life. I want to encourage you. God's devoted to you. He hasn't given up on you. The early church's response to God's devotion to them was simply, God, not my will, your will. I the only response that they had was one of devotion to Jesus for God's glory. I'm forever grateful for this church. I said that to start, and I'll say that for so much of my life. Man, uh, I'm so devoted. I'm so, so amazed at the devotion of this church. It changed my life. Dream with me for a minute. Think about this with me for a minute. God tells us, the beginning of the Bible, we're created in His image. He gives us this amazing truth, and we hear it so many times. I mean, in the image of God. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. That's amazing. And then the Bible tells us that the perfect image of God in man, mankind is Jesus Christ who lived a completely devoted, sacrificial life for our sake, for mankind's sake. And so think with me for a second. If you're created in God's image, and Jesus is the image of God who was devoted and sacrificial, you, you think maybe the way that you truly become alive, that you truly realize what it means to be living, is to live a life like Jesus lived. That's God's goal for you. To live a life that's devoted to sacrifice for God's glory. You'll find no greater life to live. So dream with me for a second. What might your life look like in 5, 10, 20, 30 years if you become completely devoted to the things of God for Christ's glory? 
What is God laying on your heart right now to be completely devoted in? What type of eternal impact might you have for Jesus Christ's glory if you are completely devoted? Dream with me for a minute. What might Lakeside Assembly of God be if we're a church that's completely devoted to the things of God and seeing the glory of God come here in our midst? Man, there's been great impact in the past, but I believe God has so many good things for this area and for this church in the future. But God is calling us as a church to be completely devoted to the things of God for the glory of Jesus Christ for an eternal impact. Maybe you've never been devoted to Jesus. You find yourself not knowing what the answer might be when God asks you that question, do you know me? Are you devoted to me? It starts with a prayer. It starts with a simple prayer, accepting Jesus Christ. God will meet you where you're at. He'll show you your next step when you don't know where it's at. We can pray that prayer this morning. Maybe today you just want to declare to God that you're devoted regardless of where he's calling you. I believe, I believe our greatest joy in life will be found at the feet of Jesus, devoting our life completely to him. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we're so thankful that you give us the word of God to show us that you're completely devoted to us, even when we don't deserve it. That your grace meets us right where we're at, right in what we need. And your love calls us to higher places. Second chances are in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for a second chance in my life that you give to me over and over your grace. It's always good enough for me. Lord, I thank you. You call us to higher levels. I pray that you'd meet us right where we're at this morning. We love you, Jesus. I pray this in your awesome name. Amen. Let's give it up for John Kozak. Really, let's give it up for the word that he preached this morning.